Hello and welcome to Molding Masculinity. I'm Tom McFarland here with Philip Seip, and today is I I wouldn't say I'm sad at all. Uh, I'm actually really excited because it is our this is our last episode of Molding Masculinity, but that's because we're actually wrapping this topic up, sort of, kind of. But more importantly, we're going to be continuing doing weekly podcasts. It's just with a different name and a different topic because that's the topic that we've already graduated to am i right yeah basically i think we kind of realized we were drifting into um a different topic uh between the direction that tommy's life is going uh approaching uh the birth of his first kid and um you know sort of how we were both feeling about the sort of central um, you know, topic or, you know, reason for the podcast. Um, and we'll get more into that, uh, later, but basically we just kind of had the conversation went, yeah, I think we're both feeling this sort of sense of, um, the thing that we want to talk about and the thing that we want to put out there is not really, um, about masculinity in particular. And so let's, uh, you know, reframe this as a as a new thing yeah and i mean you know a long time ago we had a um i want to say it was uh, yeah a long time ago we had it it was an episode where we had people actually call in uh well sort of you know call in as in they left us like voice notes on facebook and uh, we discussed issues of masculinity and one of them it might have been more directed than that. I don't actually really remember what the topic was, but uh, somebody in that mentioned about that we should do some research on uh, gender abolition. And uh, we both kind of nodded along with that. of like, yeah, no, that's something like, I don't think either of us really know much about and we should probably do some study into. And I feel like, and a lot, I think we both feel like in a lot of ways, we've naturally came to that conclusion of like, Huh, or at least <laughs> our understanding of it, which, you know, I understand that that whole philosophical position is one that is uh, contested uh, in academic circles and uh, among individuals as well. And, you know, it was this kind of feeling, I think, at least for me, I won't speak for Tommy, but I certainly had a feeling of like, um, I didn't really want to wade into that debate. I didn't feel qualified to wade into that debate. And I certainly didn't want to get into like a bunch of discourse about it. Um, I think largely, um, you know, it was one of those things like either we're going to have to really get into this uh, or uh, in order to be responsible about it, or we're going to have to not discuss it. But then it that no longer felt like we could be like, given that we were, we felt like we were trending that way. Because in a lot of discussions about what topics we wanted to do, it was like, like, like there was this constant conversation of like, but is that really like exclusive to masculinity, or is that like you know masculine oriented, or like all this stuff? And we just kept going like, I don't know, I don't have like a clear idea of like what even it would mean for that to be the case, and just a lot of confusion about like what even is this thing like. Like I started to feel like at least that, you know, we were pointing at something that ultimately wasn't really there. Um, and it was like kind of 
picking arbitrary things that we just say like these are good traits for people to have and then being like and they're masculine for some reason uh which felt kind of shitty in the sense of like like we were carving up positive traits to apply to a particular gender identity sort of arbitrarily in in sort of some bid to retain um a meaningfulness to a masculine identity um not not to say everyone needs to feel that way about masculine identity or whatever but um it certainly was how i started to feel uh and i again won't speak for tommy but you know we sort of have both had this sense of uh is there a point to continuing this given <laughs> uh we we can't seem to settle even on what we want to talk about because of this just general feeling about the topic yeah you know i mean it it's one of those things that i this podcast led me to kind of thinking more about these kind of topics and this like framework of my identity that I had in the past, which was part of what we wanted, or at least what I wanted out of this podcast, you know, like one of the reasons why it's so kind of open-faced and conversational so that we're really processing and diving and talking about these things that directly relate to us. And, uh, you know, it's it's like like an element of this that I think about is how in, and and I've talked about this on an episode we did about talking about like dressing and, and, and like, uh, hygiene and stuff like that. And in the community that I grew up in, which was, you know, like a, like hyper rural community, it was seen as effeminate to dress in nice clothes or wear accessories or, uh, often just like be hygienic in any sort of a way that was seen as like effeminate things. And you would get kind of picked on like, you know, in high school and in middle school and in elementary school, you get kind of picked on for like being effeminate because you like, you know, wanted to look nice when you went to school. And when I say look nice, like in my case, it was not like a polo and slacks. It was like, I, you know, wore a uh, Jinko jeans and tall tees, but I also wore like chains, like specifically like chains. I remember so many times in high school getting like picked on or cornered or like, you know, people pulling me aside and being like, why are you wearing jewelry? Like women wear jewelry, girls wear jewelry. Why are you wearing jewelry? And it was so weird, like, weird to me. Like, what, what, like, why does it matter? Like, we've all seen men who wear jewelry. And also, why does it matter if that's a, like a gen, like I, I had no like concept of, you know, gender politics, if you will, or anything like that, but it just seemed dumb to me. But it also didn't, it was like the kind of thing that is so base level, just let people exist and do whatever they want, that I kind of have a hard time making myself like research why it should be okay, because it just should be. (laughs) And that's problematic, which puts me in a situation where I shouldn't be the person to talk about this because there are people who do immense, incredible, wonderful, good research on this, but we can't all be like all people at once. And I don't think I'm that person. Yeah. I mean, it was fundamentally a, like, uh, not so much that it's not worth talking about or even that we couldn't talk about it. Just like there's better people than a couple of like white dudes who like, kind of feel like maybe gender abolition is a thing but don't really know about it to like let's do some research and like you know we're either gonna do we're either gonna end up hitting through probably sheer luck hitting like all the right notes 
and agreeing like with just agreeing with academia or whatever but like probably still not capturing the complexity of the issue like it just just there's better people to talk about this than us because like they're a educated in the topic and b um you know ha often probably have experiences that align with that a little bit better you know a little bit more of a varied experience with gender and gender identity whereas it kind of felt like we were or at least i was approaching it you know sort of i, I had heard the concept of gender abolition before and done like minor reading on it or whatever and probably before the podcast even started there was a degree to which i was leaning in that direction but like you know it's still not like a i to, to really feel confident for me to feel confident even in my own just social circles really asserting that uh i would need to do a ton more reading to feel confident enough to go to, on the internet and state what i believe the correct position was would require probably me to just go back to college and get a degree <laughs> in gender studies and i'm just not going to do that because i have way more on my plate than uh getting a completely different college degree for no other reason than to make a podcast um at, so like basically like if you have the sense like we do that maybe this concept isn't as um clear and obvious and uh, meaningful as perhaps uh you thought at first you know i'd encourage you to go find many of those excellent um authors and content creators and academics who have explored that and have much clearer and better thoughts on gender abolition or gender identities than either of us do but you know it started to be like a thing for us i think that it was like we could keep pointing at toxic masculinity stuff like cliche masculine stuff and go hey look that's bad but it starts to become a little, um, I don't know, like, there's just a ton of that. I just don't want to be part of the, like, you know, dunking on toxic masculinity industrial complex. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, like, there's plenty of that if, if people want their, and I don't think we're bringing any particularly entertaining to that. <laughs> um to that industry so I, I just like to me it just wasn't didn't seem like it made sense to continue on this topic i agree and i mean and i i i agree and i don't i don't mean to um you know to to throw shade at um the deconstruction like deconstruction is an important part of well reconstruction but also deconstruction with no game plan and like plan for reconstruction um i think no, not now. And here's my thing to say: is it's not that I think it's a bad thing. I think somebody has to do work, and that is a phase of work. Um, for me, it's not the situation I want to be in. Specifically, and, and and so, and I think an important thing to talk about here is how there's an element of uh, maybe I would call this dialectics. So it's you know like the way that we think and the way we process through things and the way we operate that we often get a little bit skewed in leftist circles. And that is the idea of, of, of being knowledgeable 
and only a set number of things because we can't all be knowledgeable in all of the things while at the same time respecting the knowledge of other things. Um, and, and that often is, has to be attached to how much time somebody has to put into a thing. Like what is prioritized in your life? And this is to say like why intersectionality is super important in that for some people, because of the conditions of their situation, situation, affordable housing is the absolute most important thing to them right now because they're going to get evicted if it is not made a priority. You cannot criticize that person for making that their priority over all other things because that is the direct issue that they have to deal with. Um, racial justice issues are a thing that a great many people have as priority number one very validly because that is the thing that it most directly threatens and uh, pertains to them. Um, all of these issues are all by necessity compartmentalized. Like we can all only handle so many things at once. Like there is no perfect ideological leftist out there who is perfectly educated in every single uh, leftist intersection uh, on the map. Um, because that's just not reasonable. Like we, no, nobody has infinite time. And if you did, like I, I would almost argue that if you magically became that person, then you clearly weren't spending the time to do like you know the work involved with that has to be coupled with those educations. All of that is to say that yeah, like we we don't really have the time, or uh, that's not the the critical priority in our lives. So what is more important for us to do, I think, is, yeah, to put support behind the people who have made that the uh, their who, who for not that they made it that people for whom that is their priority and their primary uh, like intersection space where they're at. We need to, uh, like, you know, shift attention to their voices and say, hey, these people are doing things. You should follow them. You should listen to them. Meanwhile, I've got a kid on the way and parenting is like absolutely my priority and I cannot I cannot put myself in a situation of reading a bunch of books on a topic what and removing time to be able to study this other thing that is uh, suddenly extremely pertinent to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And like I completely agree obviously. Uh and so I think we hope that, you know, if uh, you happen to either be a fan of modern masculinity and you're sad to hear this news, or, um, you know, if you have stumbled upon this podcast uh, long after uh, uh, August 2022 <laughs> uh, and uh, are sad to find that it is uh, finished and done, um, then, you know, I, I hope that you understand uh, why we chose to to sort of end this uh, era of Tommy and I uh, discussing leftist stuff. <laughs> uh, and uh, that um, hopefully you'll find uh, our next project to be um, worth listening to as well. Um, it may not apply to many of the listeners i'm not sure uh but um it'll still have the same uh leftist bent and will probably still involve some degree of um deconstructing you know masculinity 
in uh, as, you know, um, uh, well, I guess we haven't really, <laughs> dove into really said what it is. What it is. <laughs> uh, although I think uh, astute obser observers will have uh, perhaps sussed it out at this point. But uh, if you want to go ahead, we can tell them what we are going to be doing and uh, we yeah. can get in a little bit into that maybe. Yeah, so we're starting a brand new podcast uh, called Raise em Left, uh, which is a bit of a verbal pun on uh, Raise em Right, uh, a phrase that both of us heard quite a bit, both growing up and, re and in your case, I would assume, raising your own kids. You know, you got to raise them right nowadays. You know how them, you know how them schools are. You know, you got to keep them at home and raise them right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so taking a spin on that, Raise em Left, it's a parenting podcast with a... Uh, leftist framework well, framework maybe not not the right idea there but uh you know like a leftist uh lens on it um you know and, and this isn't to say of like you know this is a podcast about how to indoctrinate your children it, it's not it's taking parenting advice knowledge and information and then filtering that through other knowledge and information that we have um which I think is an important thing to do. Uh, that is an important critical element of intersectionality. Um, and, and then, yeah, honestly, trying to, uh, you know, how to raise human beings with a framework of the values that we hold as parents, because that's what every parent is trying to do. Um, and uh, our values are not shared by a great many people who write parenting literature who are, uh, you know, often capitalists with political uh leanings that aren't our own um, or even like even even if they're not like you know explicitly in the capitalist class or whatever like um i think a great deal of of um parenting kind of uh, parenting advice uh, online and in books and stuff is deeply informed by the sort of health self-help genre in general mm -hmm. which is like very very deeply informed by you know neoliberalism mm -hmm. and the kind of um you know just like the current status quo of the way that things are which i mean in some ways of course it is because like if your goal is to get people like people coming around going like i need advice on how to make my life better like right now like, you know, saying to that person, okay, well, first, what we need to do is have a revolution and end capitalism. You're like, okay, thanks, bud. <laughs> That's real cool. I'm glad that your solution to my current problem right now is let's build a utopia. Thanks. <laughs> right. Like, okay. And so like, yeah, there's, there's some, there's, uh, there's an understanding why it would drift in the direction of, um, you know, advice that teaches people to succeed under capitalism. And to some degree, that's also part of parenting. Uh, and we'll get into more of that in the podcast. Like, but point being like right now, at least looking around, neither of us have found uh, a wealth of um, what's it like and how do you go about parenting kids from a leftist perspective in a neoliberal and conservative informed world um because you know a lot of the current like you know leftist 
um, content online and a lot of the leftist sort of like organizations are often like very heavily populated with like very young people or people that don't have families and they're very dedicated to like sort of activist causes and whatnot. Uh, there's not a whole lot of like leftists that are parents that are going around saying like, oh yeah, here's a thing that I struggled with, you know, on how to, how do I get my kid to understand um, the, um, how do I get my kid to understand the concept of like exploitation? Uh, and how do I get my kid you know, how do I Im imbue them with an, with an, with this kind of understanding and deep ways that when they grow up to be an adult, they'll have this concept deep within their consciousness in a way that like they'll be keenly aware of, you know, when they get an employment check, they'll understand, you know, like, you know, what they're, what's going on and they'll, you know, when they hear you know numbers and figures from the news and from society at large they'll have this this thing in their mind going like okay i know about this and i know like what's you know when when they hear you know elon musk is so successful and he's made so much money with all of his hard work they'll go like wait but that guy siphoned off tons of money from all the workers that he hired like what do you mean he worked really hard for it like having that kind of uh instinct built in deep in that way that like not, not uh, uh, neither Tommy or I probably has fully. I mean, we've trained ourselves over a long period of time to have that instinct better, but it, you know, it it still feels at some level like a degree of active mental effort to go like that's a neoliberal narrative. I need to take that, throw it away, look at it for real, instead of just being immediately like, oh no, that's wrong. Um, and so, hopefully. Uh, it will be an interesting sort of perspective as we dive into some of the particular challenges that come with setting your kids up to understand the um, parts of the system that society at large would try to convince them is normal, is invisible, and should not even be thought about. Um, just to give you a tiny example, uh, I got a social studies book for my kid when he was in uh third grade uh and one of it one of the lines in it was talking about like the economy and it was like what is the economy the economy is like where you spend money it's like okay this is like a pretty dressed down so far no problem whatever uh and then it was like you are a consumer and i was like well hold on a second <laughs> that's uh that and it was just stated like like as if an, it was a natural feature of the world as much as like and uh, as much as like a spider is an arachnid and you're like okay but that's not an inherent feature of my son or any student in this class that's a particular feature of the current arrangement on how we have chosen to organize our economy as a society so like i was became less of a fan the more i read of course and so like you know there's an open question of like okay you've got this book now that is trying to imbue your kid with like an idea of how the world works and trying to pretend like it is an obvious clear natural fact of the world rather than a particular political arrangement what do you do to help them not fall victim to this um without you know resorting to just sort of like dogmatic indoctrination of like okay this is wrong believe this instead you know like helping them to really understand why it's wrong and all that um is a is an interesting challenge and i think that 
I, I hope that other parents that want to approach raising their kids from a position that's more critical of current society from the left um, will find it helpful at least or at least cathartic to hear that other parents are going through the same thing yeah and i, and I mean and on, on top of all of the the big you know the big issue things that you've brought up there's also the little issue things um that you know for me can be they just pile on and it's like you know trying to learn and study about things like you know I don't know, potty training, sleep training, um, just how do you deal with a baby, you know, basic things without running into a bunch of unprocessed um, conservative or outright fascist uh, ideology that's been wormed into that as like part of a higher, as, as part of a like the hegemonic idea. You know, like specifically for me, like coming from a, well, and I think for both of us, coming from like more conservative, um, uh um backgrounds yeah yeah conservative religious uh the, you know I'm, I'm trying to think of the end of christianity that isn't catholicism the other ones uh protestant yes the protestants yes you know coming from a conservative christian protestant background um so much of the parenting information we got was informed through that and so it runs into this thing where you're, when you're trying to process it you're like having to like you know oh but Okay, but who did it come from? Um, is can I trust this information? Even though it's really basic stuff, but like specifically, like when you get into discipline, like when you get into discipline and punishment and all of these kind of things, and then also it's like you know I don't know. There's just so much of that that I do want to know what how somebody feels about a lot of this stuff when I'm researching on it, when I'm studying it, when I'm learning it. Um, that is an important element, you know, like we've, we've talked about, I think, before, about how politics really do worm through everything, especially when you talk about the fact that certain people's existence is political. So, and like, to take it, like, I, I'm struggling to find a good parenting example, but I actually have an excellent fencing example. So I do fencing as, like, a sport, at, like, activity, and a fencing instructor who I uh read his books was recently reading his book a, a new one of his books not a new book but a new book to me that i'm reading through and in the beginning there is a very early chapter specifically titled pronouns where he basically just makes a whole big point to go out of his way and say hey people have asked that i stop using he, he him pronouns as like basic standard no I'm not gonna do that like majority of fencers are men and I'm going to treat it that way. And I am not going to use they, them pronouns. And it's like this, I was just trying to read a book about fencing and I have to stumble into like this kind of a little landmine hidden in there. Um, I just want to, I want there to be parenting material out there for parents that isn't riddled with these little landmines. Yeah. But what's especially funny about that is like the, like even if you were going to like first of all if you're a fencer writing surely you can just ignore people who are saying this like you have the power to do that i don't know like even if you feel the need to call it out like there are so many arguments you could present as to justify that beyond like going on a tirade about how pronouns re like it's just i don't know it's so dumb it, i think like even if you're going to go that direction there's like 
less combative ways of doing that. It's 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 just so transparent that like what they want to do is fight, <laughs> yeah. uh, while while pretending that like they just wish they st- could stop fighting or whatever. Right, and we're in this situation specifically in our area where public schools and a lot of uh, you know uh, child spaces are getting real toxic and downright dangerous for certain certain people um you know with book bans and uh, trans uh uh bills against trans children um a lot of generally hateful violent activity and uh legislation from conservatives uh i i i think a lot of us on our spectrum of politics assume that the next six years are not going to improve a whole lot and we want to figure out how how do we navigate this like how do we how, you know, if i'm sending my kids to a school you know my school was bass backwards and full of conservative propaganda like we literally would watch like mel gibson's the patriot and history class if my kids school might be worse what does that mean for what i do like what how what what am i going to do what how do i process how do i like guide my kid through school in the current environment (laughs) yeah yeah it's a rough and it's a it's a very deep well i think uh it's not to my knowledge and honestly if you know about any uh you know fantastic resources you know i'd love to hear about them uh because you know we looked around and just not didn't feel like there was a lot out there so um not necessarily like gonna claim to be like the most qualified parent of all time but like you know who is (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, and and that's our unique situation is you are you have been a parent for many years and i am a new parent just now walking into the scene like we are now almost less than 30 days away um so like that gives us two different perspectives and uh, I think a lot to talk about with this. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, it may actually make the podcast between us a little more interesting as I think like, um, you know, on the one hand, like I'll, I'll have the perspective of, you know, Oh, like I have gone through some of this and here's kind of the lessons I've learned. And then it'll be from you. It'll be coming at it with a fresh perspective of like, Oh, here's some things that I want to try. Or like we may end up actually like, you know, having more of a back and forth on, on, on points rather than uh, um, not that it's going to become like a debate podcast or whatever, but like, you know, points where we actually are like comparing thoughts rather than just uh basically coming to the table will be like so we agree on everything let's talk about it for an hour <laughs> yeah like i've heard a lot of other podcasters rightfully kind of criticize that as yes and podcasts where you have two people who agree and it's just a constant like yes and da, 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 and it's like that's not exciting um so hopefully yeah there'll be a little bit more difference of perspectives entering into the chat so yeah well i think that's everything we have for molding masculinity i I would like to thank everybody for having joined us uh, over this time of course like i think there's still value in our episodes that are out there please go through and listen to them uh you know invite other people to listen to them there's still a lot of information out there that we've put out there it's good stuff uh thank you all uh i'm gonna say my goodbye and then i'll let philip say his goodbye thank you all for joining us this morning afternoon evening or whatever other time of day it is Always be compassionate and thoughtful. Uh, Question everything 
and thank you so much for how for listening to us during this journey. We hope to see you over at Raise Them Left. Yeah.